0: This is The Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Live from the Oxygen Community Studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here. Cody Fincher behind the glass. And right out of the gate, we are joined by the one and only Dave Burns. Burns, you've, you've just done four hours of radio. I don't even know how much prep. And now you're just going to hang out for another 15 minutes.
2: I Let's appreciate do it. it. That's fine. Let's do it. A, a game like that warrants extra conversation. You know, this we were just talking about this in the newsroom. Game
1: four of the World Series, the way it ended, was amazing with the uh, with the way the Rays yeah. came back.
2: I didn't watch one pitch of Game five last night. <laughs> I had okay, so I've got I've got this set up in my home office where I've got two big screen TVs in my office, so I can watch two things at the same time. Yeah. And I was trying to watch both, <laughs> and it was I, I, at, at some point I just kind of quit. I just kind of gave up and said, I, "I'm not. I can't pay." If, if it was like the Dallas game, like, okay, then I can watch a World Series game and the Dallas game at the same time because that was a joke, that was a laugher, that was an absolute nothing. But to try to do, I mean, at some point my wife came in to say something to me. And I think it was right at the moment where Peterson picked off the pass in the end zone. Yeah, and all I heard was walk, 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 walk. like, huh? what, Turned into ta- a Charlie Brown. Yeah, character. were you talking to me? I, I, I'm I sorry. I'm I'm like, so that game was. It was. It was just. It was so rich. There's so much to talk about with that game. Well, you know, doing
1: the post game show last night, because there was so much, I had to take a step back for like five minutes before we went on the air, and was like, I have to get everything in order. Yeah, because it felt like. It felt like binge watching an entire series of a TV show at once. I'm like, oh this happened and this happened. Now wait, what order did everything happen because you had, you know, three crazy penalties on the Seahawks, you had I, I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury was doing on a couple of these uh calls, you had Kyler Murray making big plays, you had the Russell Wilson interceptions. Isaiah Simmons just appearing out of nowhere <laughs> as if in a
2: dream <laughs> to intercept that That's, pass. Uh, I mean that was that was that to me was I, I, hate, I, keep, I hate calling it my number one takeaway because it's impossible to, to have a number one takeaway. But, man, that was the thing that stuck with me the longest. Even as I was writing my rapid reactions piece for ArizonaSports.com, the thing I just could not get out of my head, Isaiah Simmons... <laughs> <laughs> he's the one who made the pick. He's the one who was on the field. The one that we've all been, you know, is he? was he drafted in the wrong spot? Is he being coached by the wrong guy? Is the scheme not right he's for him? Is he still on the team? Is he, I mean, right. And And... <laughs> Of, of, there's, if you listen back to the play-by-play call, and I'm sure you played it a bunch of times last night in the post-game show, <laughs> it's almost like Dave Pash has to check his board to make sure yeah. it was Isaiah. So he pauses for a second before he announces that it's Isaiah Simmons with the interceptions, and it's almost like he doubted what he saw and he had <laughs> to look down at his notes just to make sure that that was, in fact, Isaiah Simmons, the same one that he had put on his draft board. You can hear a little pause, and yeah. we all kind of, like, Oh, my God, that's Isaiah Simmons. That's Isaiah Simmons who just made that interception. I mean, that's the
1: thing. If I had if I had told you two hours before kickoff, or maybe even it would have been crazier if I had told you at halftime with the way that game was going, Isaiah Simmons is going to decide this one. Sure. He would have been like, he probably would have been about 105th on your list of 106 <laughs> active players. I,
2: I tell you who he would have been slightly behind, and that would have been Tanner Vallejo, uh, who made that huge yeah. stop on third and two, whereas if Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde gets that, that game is... Over done. They run out the clock. Victory formation. Say good night. And the Cardinals are four and three instead of five and two. Vallejo makes that stop, and that fuels at least part of the comeback. There,
1: I believe it was you that said it on the crossover with Bickley and Murata earlier today before your show. Of there were so many times it felt like the Seahawks here they come with a knockout blow in this game, yep.
2: and it just it never happened. They were it felt like the whole game they were just one play, mm-hmm. just one play. One more first down, one more touchdown, one more. We were talking in the last segment, Gambo and I were, about the, about the, Buddha, the Buddha pick, the DK rundown, the fourth and goal, you don't convert. Seattle takes over from a three-yard line, 97-yard drive like that, mm-hmm. six plays, 34-yard run by Wilson, 24-yard pass to Disley. I mean, in a blink of an eye, now it's twenty to seven. You just squandered Buda Baker's second interception of his career, and at that moment, it felt like the Cardinals were like, a, like the like the guy walking the the, the high you know the high wire. The those high guys that road. walk across the Grand Canyon. Right, like if yeah. you just give them one little one more little push, just one more little bad thing to happen, and they would have fallen right over. And it felt like the Cardinals had five or six of those moments where they were just walking that high wire. One little push, and they would have fallen. That should have ended it, really. I mean, I know it was still early in the game, but to get
1: that interception and to come away with no points, because you you talk about what you're going to remember from this game, I'm probably going to remember, as unfair as it is, is Buda Baker getting run down from behind by, by DK Metcalf. To come away from that with no points, and then like you said, Seattle instantly comes back and scores... That should have
2: been it. Yeah, in years past, it definitely would have been. In, it. in years past, it would have been, and unfortunately, that's kind of how in And I'm not trying to sound like grumpy old guy here because I'm not, but that's how kind of today's highlights highlight centric, you know, internet driven kind of world that, that play is going to live on. They'll be talking about that play because they'll be replaying that play yeah. for years and years and years. And I, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if a few years from now people have to look up and, oh, yeah, Seattle lost that game. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And, and I bet five years from now people will forget that the Cardinals actually won that game because that, that play is going to go down as this iconic, crazy, never seen it before. We were talking before. Buda Baker's miles per hour, did you see this stat? Yeah. Okay. Was the 17th highest of any player in the NFL this year. It's Buda's, not like he was walking. It's not like he was walking. <laughs> and it's not like he was some tub of goo defensive lineman who yeah. was, you know, was chugging down the... It was Buda Baker, and he was going 21 miles per hour. Yeah. And he got caught by a guy going 22 and a half miles per it's,
1: hour. It's oh, DK Metcalf. I mean, I'm, I'm. this rivalry has already been great the last few years. Even when the Cardinals haven't been good, this yeah. rivalry has been great. It's got all the makings to be honestly. I feel like maybe the best in football for the next few years because of the Kyler Russell Wilson matchup, but because also these teams should both be pretty good. DK Metcalf is. We talked about this on the, on the virtual tailgate yesterday. Vince and I were talking. It's like it's not it bad enough that the Cardinals passed on him. Of course he had to go to Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't land with the Chargers or something, and we see him once every five years. No, we're going to see him twice every year, and he's going to make plays.
2: You just have to win anyway. And yet the, the inverse of that, they feel, I say they, but Brock Heward feels the same way in Seattle about Buda Baker. Local kid, yeah. went to UW. Seattle took a player who's basically incarcerated right now, the very pick in front of the Cardinals That's when they point. took Buda Baker. So you think about... Those two players and in that moment, there's the guy that Arizona fans feel like should be on their roster, and there's the guy that Seattle fans probably feel like should be on their roster. Because I mean I hate to say this, but does Buda Baker not fit perfectly oh, into yeah. that line of the Earl Thomas's, the Cam Chancellors, the great the Legion of Boom? I mean, you close your eyes. It's not that hard to see Buddha Baker in a Seattle Seahawks jersey doing those Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas kind of things. And and so they probably look at him the same way we look at DK Metcalf as the guy they could have had, should have had, but didn't. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm not willing to make that trade. I'm not going to do it. I want Buddha, <sighs> Especially
1: now because it's a lot easier to say when you have DeAndre Hopkins. Right? If you don't have DeAndre Hopkins yeah, and you're it, yeah. trying to make
2: like Christian Kirk your number one and wow. Keyshawn Johnson your number two. And here's the thing about it, too. I mean, to to... Speak about Buddha's value, and I know they got you know torched last night. Seattle offensively in the first half, they've they've done just fine without Chandler Jones, and and I don't mean that disparagingly. It sounds dis- I, I'm just kind of as a matter of fact, they've done fine without Chandler Jones. I don't think we would want to find out how they did without Buda Baker back there. We found out for one game, and it was a disaster. They didn't even look like a team that one game. That that
1: is the outlier of this season. It's not just that they lost. They didn't even look like they were there. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question for you. And this is going to sound like the ultimate Homer question, but I got to ask it. If you're starting a team right now, okay, not a fantasy team, but an actual NFL team, how many quarterbacks are you taking ahead of Kyler Murray? Because last night... He was accurate. He was going downfield. We already know he's a threat to run. And and I think you have to, you know, for this exercise, you have to take age into it. So like Aaron Rodgers, as much as I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the the two or three best quarterbacks I've ever seen. If I'm starting a team today, you know, I'm only getting a few more years out of him. How old is Wilson? How old is is Russell? He's been in the league, what,
2: eight years? I'll look it up. 29? Yeah. I don't think he's 30 yet. Okay, if if he's on the south side of thirty, he'd be on the list. Mahomes is on the list. Mahomes for sure. Oh, okay, wow. Wilson's thirty-one. He's thirty-one. Okay, okay, yeah. He's on the. See, being the thirty is kind of like the the you know the the, the line, and, and I, I I don't know how many guys north of that line that I would want to take. Brady looks fine. He's forty-three, so that kind of throws everything. off. He
1: turns thirty-two in November.
2: Okay, so he so so he's. Not only is he thirty-one, he's he's on the yeah. I how many other quarterbacks would I take ahead of Kyler? It's tough for me to say I'd take Kyler over Russell Wilson, but but again, it's all about longevity and maximizing value and return on investment, right? So I'm going to get if he's going to turn thirty-two, as Bear said, he's going to turn thirty-two in a month. I know for sure I've got at least four to five years of peak Russell Wilson before we assume the decline starts to kick in, yeah. especially for somebody who's got a little bit of mobility, that might slip a little sooner Yeah, the the further he gets into his 30s. Um, off the top of my head, I can only think of like three just, or just, four. It's, for me, it's honestly, it's, it's definitely
1: Mahomes. I think you can make a case both ways with Wilson because you could also say, look, Kyler's smaller. He runs a lot. I mean, maybe that's not going to be as great when he's in his 30s. I think I'd take Kyler Murray over Lamar Jackson,
2: which that, I know sounds insane because he yeah. just won the MVP, but I think I would. That's the tough one because they're, stylistically speaking, I just like Kyler's game better than Lamar's. I, I, Lamar's team, <sighs> okay, yeah, he's got he's got a lot at his disposal. But I think stylistically in terms of what I want out of a quarterback, I think I like Kyler. But again, is that because I'm here in Phoenix, Arizona and not in Baltimore, Maryland? Would I feel that same way if I were there? Probably I don't know. Not if you were if you were in Baltimore. I don't think they're trading
1: Lamar Jackson for anybody. But this is what I would say: watching that game last night, I never felt like the Cardinals were out of it. Like you were saying before, I felt like they were on the verge a few times. I never felt like they were out of it. Watching that Baltimore Tennessee playoff game last year, and it's not a knock on Lamar Jackson, but yeah. it's just the style. They were done at halftime. They were. They're, they are not. They are not built. Maybe that's more the team than Lamar Jackson, but they're not coming back from down twenty points. Whereas Kyler Murray, you always feel like you're in the game.
2: I still think you have to put Deshaun Watson somewhere in the conversation. Yeah. He's just got a woeful lack of talent around him right now. That that organization is just going sideways. So, so would I put him ahead of Kyler? I'd put him very near Kyler. I, I'd put you know one just slightly ahead of the other. That one's too close to call. Dak. I've I've never been the biggest fan of Dak, but man, he puts up some unbelievable numbers. He there. does, and I and I gotta give credit where credits due. I watched a lot of that uh, through the red zone. I watched a lot of that Bengals Browns game yesterday in the morning. Joe Burrow's legit. That, that, was, that was a good first pick. He is legitimately. Oh wow, he's good. And yeah. as long as they properly put an offensive line in front of him so he doesn't get decapitated out there. <laughs> Which they haven't done and yet. And as long as they've, they've got the skill, uh, he if they surround him with the right talent, he is going to be fantastic. Yeah. He's a lot of fun to watch. I, I Look, I wasn't a big fan of Justin Herbert. He's played really well so far. The you know, I, Again, I wouldn't take those guys ahead of Kyler, but here in another year or two, yeah. you watch, and depending on what Tua does in Miami, there's going to be yet another wave of these guys and in Miami they might be saying the same thing who would you rather have other than two in Cincinnati they might be saying the same thing about Joe Burrow the 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 league would seem to be in very good hands right now with the state of the young quarterbacking right now absolutely I'll tell you what it's just fun to be in the conversation and be able to make a,
1: a firm case for a Cardinals quarterback of I would build around this guy over pretty much everybody except Mahomes you can at least make that case and we haven't been there ever ever I was gonna say, when have we ever we had we had great quarterback? I mean, Kurt Warner was a great quarterback, but he was you wouldn't you weren't going to build a team nope. around him over
2: say Aaron Rodgers or some rookie coming in? At Carson, that time. same thing. Shake, yeah. no. I, I mean, we've we it's never it's never been in the conversation for the Cardinals to even and th- that they are. Um, yeah, you know, I know it's cliche, but I, I, I hope they can just take advantage of these next couple of years before they're going to have to pay him, because they're <laughs> going to have to pay him, and, and hopefully they can take advantage of it before they do. It's not cliche. It's the truth. Burnsy, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate No, this. I appreciate it. I'll look forward to listening to you on my way home. Cool.
1: Sounds good. That's Dave Burns checking in. We'll come back with the Rundown Rapid Reaction next. It is the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. No!
0: No! Down with Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.
1: All right, well, thanks to Dave Burns for jumping on there for the first segment of the show. That game last night was just so enjoyable for so many reasons that that's that's one you you want to talk about with people, and uh, that was just we're talking during the break i mean that's that's you look back at the last 5 years of sports moments here in the valley and i know that there haven't been a lot of great ones but that's got to be the best any sport here in the valley in the last 5 years there there've been some good moments i mean the archie bradley triple and they they the diamondbacks beat the rockies in that wild card game that was certainly one i mean getting the number 1 pick and and taking kyler murray not not the act of moving up to number 1 over that excruciating 2018 season but Using that number one pick on Kyler Murray, that was exciting. You know, getting the number one pick in the lottery for the the Suns. The Coyotes making the playoffs this year. But, I mean, to beat Seattle, to really— I talked so much last week about how if you could beat the Seahawks after beating the Cowboys, so two primetime wins in the span of six days, how that would really announce you to the the rest of the NFL and just fans across the league. But now that it's happened, I almost feel like it also has kind of announced the Cardinals— to their own fans, right? I mean, you've been looking at this, and you're like, okay, it's so many people outside of this market have tried to shoot holes in the Cardinals' 4-2 and record up to this point, and and they sit there, and it's, you know, I I know everybody's thinking Keyshawn Johnson, but it's not just him. And people look, and they say, okay, well, you beat Dallas, but Dallas is terrible. Well, yeah, they are. There's (laughs) there's nothing the Cardinals can do about that, but it was Monday night in their stadium, and they hammered them. You beat the Jets, and the Jets are terrible. Very true. Nobody's going to argue that, but you beat the teams in front of you. Washington... Washington's not good. The one that always bothered me, though, was people saying, well, you beat San Francisco and they're all beat up. That was week one. That was su- such a wrong Such take. a garbage argument, right? Yeah. The thing I've been
3: saying recently is, yeah, they've beaten some teams, but there's always been a uh, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, but. The Cowboys suck. The Jets suck. Yeah, yeah but this. This game, there was really no yeah, buts.
1: Right. Well, yeah, no, you beat Seattle. You beat the, the guy who's probably going to win MVP this season. And, and Russell know. Wilson, like, he wasn't hurt. They weren't missing really anybody. He doesn't usually throw interceptions, but he still had 380 plus yards, three touchdowns, ran for another 80. Like, Russell Wilson was not bad last night. He just wasn't, I guess, peak Russell Wilson. I mean, he still, he still played pretty well. That... I can't help but think now for the foreseeable future, or maybe expect is the better word. I, I expect these Cardinal Seahawks games to come down to whoever has the ball last is going to win. What was the stat you were throwing at me during the break, Bear? This is amazing. Russell Wilson's record in uh, in State yes. Farm Stadium. So
3: he is Russell Wilson has only lost in Arizona twice in his career. Yesterday against Kylo Murray, acceptable, and his first career start against Kevin Cobb. And John, and, 20, Skelton. And, and John Skelton in 2012. <laughs> I was at that game. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was yeah, well, they uh, won, but yeah. so what happened? I don't know if you remember this or not. John Skelton started that game. Got hurt or pulled. I can't remember which one it was. I think he got injured. And Kevin Cobb goes in cuz he was the backup and the whole stadium starts booing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was one of them. And <laughs> pretty sure. Well, okay I was whatever the whole stadium starts booing and then he le- <laughs> he leads the Cardinals on a game winning drive and you know everyone's cheering and
1: they started 4-0 that year if you yeah, remember they did uh, also on that team uh, Beanie Wells had seven carries for 14 yards and wow efficiency there early Doucette had three catches for 37 yards that's how long it's been since the Cardinals have beaten Seattle Are
3: th- were- was that their leading rusher
1: and receiver uh, well technically Andre Roberts had one carry for 15 yards oh, that oh there you go <laughs> so um, I will say this though the one other quarterback to beat Russell Wilson in that stadium is Tom Brady in oh field. okay, okay. So, against the Cardinals in Arizona then the range between John Skelton and Kevin Cobb and Tom Brady might encompass every quarterback in NFL history it's possible alright let's so we got a lot to talk about with this game let's get right now into the rundown rapid reaction the rundown rapid
0: reaction, rapid reaction. reacting to today's top three trending sports stories oh well, the big
1: overtime win last night over the Seattle Seahawks big because it puts you now tied in terms of wins for first in the NFC West. I should mention the Rams are beating Chicago right now 10-3. 49ers won yesterday, by the way. So that, that horrible beat-up 49ers team hammered the Patriots yesterday. Maybe San Francisco's not such a bad win after all. Um, still a half game back of the Seahawks and potentially tied with the Rams depending what they do tonight. But tied in the win column and the Seahawks have the 49ers, I believe, actually this week. So that's, that's not a gimme by any means. Uh, But also big because it was Seattle and big because you ended their uh, undefeated season and you you at least chip away at the mystique of Russell Wilson. I mean, he's going to be fine. They play again in a month. (laughs) They expect another 380 yards and three touchdowns from Russell Wilson. But what's nice is I feel like we can expect a similar performance from Kyler Murray. Uh, The downside to that game last night was the loss of Kenyon Drake. ESPN's Adam Schefter has reported today they expect Kenyon Drake to miss quote a few weeks unquote so I know a lot of Cardinals fans have been kind of wanting to see more of Chase Edmonds anyway you don't want to see it this way Kenyon Drake came up with a couple big plays last night in fact he got hurt on a a big play on fourth down to extend a a very, very important drive towards the end of that game so they're going to have to make do without him for a few weeks it sounds like in that respect It's good to have the bye week coming up this week. Uh, And the respect that DeAndre Hopkins is playing injured, although it doesn't look like it at all, it's good to have the bye week this week. In the sense it builds a lot of hype for the team and for people like us that, you know, we have a job to talk about sports. It's a pretty good time to go into a bye week. You've got two weeks to talk about and be very excited about the Arizona Cardinals. Man, if I'm a player, I want to play like Thursday. If I'm on the Cardinals, I don't even want to wait till the weekend. Uh, Another major storyline we'll get into, certainly from that game last night, Cliff Kingsbury. I made this uh, this argument on the the postgame show last night, and we'll revisit it here. I think for Cliff Kingsbury to work as a head coach in this league, he's got to have a Kyler Murray. And I know Kyler Murray makes every coach's job and life a lot easier, I'm sure. But Cliff just wants to be so aggressive, and and maybe and I, and I like that in theory, and I like it 80% of the time. But he doesn't seem to have an off switch unless it's second down and overtime for some reason. But other than that, in regulation, he doesn't seem to have an off switch with the aggression. If you're going to be that aggressive, if you're going to go for it on fourth down when Buda Baker just got you down inside the 10 and the offense can't move the ball and you need at least three points to show for it, you got to have Kyler Murray. You have to have a guy that's, that's going to step right in and just just attack I mean we saw we even saw it at the end of the game Cardinals hit the field goal to, to pull within seven they they knew they needed a field goal and a touchdown they get the field goal so you still need another possession anyway even if you had gotten a touchdown you need another possession the penalty on Benson Mayoa and and Cliff says you know what take the points off the board we're just going to attack and try and get the seven now they still needed another possession and they were risking just losing if they didn't get it in the end zone there Kyler gets him in the end zone. Two plays later. I mean, you, you have to you have to have Kyler for the Cliff Kingsbury experiment to work. So now, in retrospect, looking back at all the hand wringing everybody did heading towards that draft where they took Kyler number one. I mean, <laughs> are, you, are you going for it there? Are you taking points off the board if Josh Rosen's your quarterback? Sam Bradford, really a lot of starting quarterbacks in the league. Are you are you confident enough to do it? And maybe the the better question is, should you be that confident? Because I do feel like if Cliff was the coach and Josh Rosen, not to pick on Josh, had a tough run through the NFL, but if he was the quarterback last night, I still think Cliff would have said, take the points off, we're going for the, for the touchdown here, and uh, it wouldn't have worked out so well. So you have to have Kyler for Cliff to work. That's, that's becoming apparent this season. But that's not meant as a knock on Cliff. I think he, in a lot of ways, is the perfect coach for Kyler Murray. They basically turned that game last night into a Big 12 game. And, of course, the quarterback matchup, Kyler Murray against Russell Wilson, I talked about this yesterday going into the game. It's nice. It's it's better than nice. It's great. To have a quarterback, you can go into a matchup with Seattle and maybe maybe your quarterback can outplay Russell Wilson on any given Sunday. There's not a lot of teams that can say that. And, and we'll get more into this. Dave Burns is in here. We were talking about it. I mean, nobody's saying Kyler Murray is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson right now. Nobody is saying that. But it's nice to go into a game saying, Kyler could outplay Russ tonight because, again, Russ played really well last night, and Kyler did outplay him. And when you take the quarterbacks and set them aside for a second, I like the Cardinals' team top to bottom more than Seattle. Russell Wilson makes up for a lot of holes on that team, and they've got a lot of great players too. I'm not trying to overreact to one game. I still think, I mean, if you're picking a team to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl today, you still have to pick Seattle. But the Cardinals can beat them 2-1 against them now in the Cliff Kingsbury-Kyler Murray era, so... There's a lot to get into in this game, and we're going to stick with the quarterbacks when we come back. I want to revisit that discussion. What quarterbacks would you really take to build a team around? Try and set the homerism aside. You can tweet into the show at rundown987, or if you're a fan of another team, rundown987, or you can tweet me at Luke Lipinski. I do want legitimate answers here. What quarterbacks would you definitively take right now over Kyler Murray if you're building a team for the next 10 years? I think the list is pretty short. He's not number one. But I think the list is pretty short. We're we'll going to do it next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: It's The Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski. Luke, I am your father. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. What's this?
1: Alright, welcome back to the show. I guess I can close this box score of the twenty twelve Arizona Cardinals game against the Seattle. But Seahawks. why? <laughs> I just love staring at these Kevin Cobb stats. Six
3: of eight, baby.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, six of eight. You, do you, do you I, have an I also had it okay, open.
3: I was gonna say, if
1: you're, <laughs> I don't remember that much from that game. You should probably be doing something more lucrative if you can just rattle off Kevin Cobb stats from eight years ago. Or maybe this is actually the exact perfect job for you if you can rattle off Kevin Cobb stats from eight years ago. Um, the Rams lead the Bears right now, ten to three, late in the second quarter. So they are uh, closing in on halftime. Rams have the ball right around their own thirty at this point. Uh, so the Bears five and one, the Rams four and two. Of course, if the Rams win, well then they're five and two. The Cardinals are five and two. The Seahawks are five and one, and the Forty Nine ers are four and three. They really should just the NFC East should have to vacate their first place team making the playoffs if that team doesn't at least get to eight wins, and they're not going to. And the NFC West should get an additional team.
3: Is it possible for every team in the NFC West to make it to the playoffs with the expansion this yeah, year? Yeah. I really yeah. hope that
1: happens. It, it was funny because when I, the day that happens, I had tweeted something. I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but I was it was it was along the lines of, "Hey, the Cardinals just got DeAndre Hopkins, and the NFC now gets seven playoff teams. The chances the Cardinals make the playoffs. This is back in April or whatever. I was like, they just went up significantly. Like then we can talk about this team as at least a playoff contender. And the first person that wrote back was like, "Yeah, you don't get anything for being last in the NFC West, buddy." And I was like, "Well, actually." <laughs> <laughs> you you, you are wrong, sir! <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get technical, you now could get something for being last in the NFC West. So, we'll see. I mean, the 49ers, um, at this exact moment, 4-3, and three, would that have them in the playoffs? It's got them pretty close. It would have them... They would be just on the outside looking in. Right now, the 49ers are ninth in the NFC at 4-3. and three. I mean, the problem, obviously, is that you play each other in the division and you beat each other up. And I guess the flip side is that's the only way the NFC East is getting any wins is by teams playing each other. I want to go back, though, to the conversation we were having uh, towards the top of the show, and I, I, I don't want to be ridiculous about this. I don't want to overreact to one game. For me, this is not based on last night's game. I mean, Kyler Murray being as accurate as he was and just as as dangerous as he was throwing the ball down the field, we saw it last year. We hadn't seen it as much this year, and then we kind of saw flashes of it against the Jets and the Cowboys. But again, like you were saying, Cody, there's, there's always been a, well, yeah, but it was the Cowboys, or yeah, but it was the Jets. And, and the Seahawks' defense is not great, but it's the stage. It's the fact that Kyler Murray stepped onto that field last night as the pretty significant underdog against Russell Wilson. Most quarterbacks are especially with Kyler's uh, lack of NFL experience compared to a guy that has a Super Bowl and should have a second Super Bowl if if the Seahawks knew to just run the ball from the goal line. Um, For Kyler Murray to step up and, and not just, like, it's not like he was on the Cardinals and they won last night. He's the reason they won. He's not the only reason. Isaiah Simmons is a big reason. Buda Baker is a big reason. I mean, a lot of guys stepped up to make plays last night, but Kyler Murray that's the way it's supposed to go. That's when you when you draft Kyler number 1 and you hire Cliff as the coach and you start to build a team around Kyler Murray. Last night's game is what you envisioned. You beat the Seahawks with a top spot in the NFC West on the line and you beat them by outscoring them. That's how this Cardinals team is built to win games. And I think there's there's such value in winning games the way your team is constructed to win games, whatever the sport is. If the Cardinals had gone out there and you know, Wilson wasn't playing or he got hurt at halftime or something and the Cardinals won 17-13, to 13. it'd be like, okay, awesome. That's a big win. The standings and everything, that's all still the same, but it would have felt a little flukier. This feels like how the Cardinals are supposed to win games. They're supposed to win high-scoring games. How many times did we have that stat? Or they hadn't, they had only scored more than 30 points in a game twice since uh, Kingsbury and Kyler got here. They've now done it twice in the last week. I mean, it's, it, the, the offense is finally doing what the offense should do and you still sort of get a sense that they have barely scratched the surface but I mean, what happens when kyler gets consistent so with that in mind i just it would, i'm trying to find other quarterbacks that you would definitively say like oh absolutely i would take him over kyler murray so again the scenario you're building your team right now. It's an NFL team. It's not a fantasy team. You're building your team right now indefinitely. So, again, in case you missed the start of the show, I mean, to me, that takes Aaron Rodgers, who I think is is the best, one of the two or three best quarterbacks I've ever seen, kind of takes him off the table because he's not going to be your starting quarterback in 10 years. It's definitely Mahomes. I'm reading through some of the answers now. Um, now, we got quite a few here. <laughs> okay, hold on. Uh Alexander Mann writes in, next decade you're going to take a 31-year-old over Kyler? That's, that's the tough one for me. Russell Wilson, would you, take, would you take Russell Wilson, who is 31? I mean, if you're talking about 10 years, then he'd obviously be 41. That's pretty good math. Um, that's still younger than, than Tom Brady is right now. So R- Wilson's a tough one for me. Uh, Suns fan Phoenix One writes in, Mahomes, Jackson, and Russ. Uh, anybody saying Watson must be a homer Yeah, I I would take Kyler over Watson but it's tough with with Deshaun because he's been playing in that just dumpster fire of a team there's a reply here from Jacob who says he has a
3: few Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson and
1: Russ I wouldn't put Josh Allen on that list yeah Josh he's kind of he's trailed off a little bit these last few I mean he's good we're talking about obviously we're talking about good to great quarterbacks here um. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take Josh Allen over him. I'm really torn on, on Lamar. I know he just won MVP last year. I, I think right now, and in, in right now I'm looking, I'm saying Mahomes for sure, and, and maybe Russ. I mean, definitely Russ if we're not considering age. Lamar Jackson, I think Kyler's right there with him right now because he's more of a threat downfield.
3: The thing about Lamar Jackson is he went to a team who said, okay, we're going to change everything we do to complement your strengths. He's still not a very good passer. I, I've I have him on my fantasy team this year, so I've I've paid attention to the Ravens games. He's still he doesn't throw for a lot of yards. He's still pretty inaccurate, but man, he's an athlete. He's explosive. He can break off a sixty yard run touchdown run at any moment. I would I would take Kyler over Lamar Jackson right now because I think he's just better as a passer. And at the end of the day, depending on I guess I mean the Ravens commit to this running, you know, running off-style offense, but at the end of the day if you need a quarterback to win you a game, it's usually going to come down to his arm.
1: Yeah, it's tough because obviously these teams are built differently and I'll go back to what I said to Dave Burns when he was in here in the first segment, you know, that watching Baltimore, who was excellent last year, and Lamar Jackson absolutely deserved to win MVP And, and do not take what I'm saying wrong if Lamar Jackson was the Cardinals quarterback, it's not like I would be upset, but I just remember watching that game and they had been so good all season and once Tennessee got the lead and they took it in the halftime, and I know that's extreme because Tennessee has Derrick Henry and I'm not sh- totally sure he's, he's fully human. I think he's a, some sort of superhuman football machine that was put out there on the field. Tennessee was just able to gobble up the clock and, and it's not like I don't think Lamar can throw the ball down the field and certainly he could break off a 70-yard run at any time, but and we're seeing this year what we didn't see last year. Kyler Murray can break off a 40-yard run at any time and he can chuck the ball down the field. And I think it's I think those two right now are are, are neck and neck. I really do. And um <laughs> I, I I thought Kyler would get to this point. I thought it would be maybe more so next year. Uh but this team's five and two right now and they just beat the Seahawks. So I'm gonna let my mind wander here a little bit. Uh Sam Gregory writes in, Deshaun Watson, Andy writes in, it's not a long list for sure. Got a few people writing in, Justin Herbert and uh and, and Joe Burrow, which I'm not going to argue with those guys. I just haven't seen enough of them because they haven't played enough games. Justin Herbert is, (laughs) he's been better in the NFL than he was at Oregon. I don't know how many people watched Oregon consistently, but having gone to ASU, I watched Oregon. Don't bring that up to Aaron Maloney. She'll chew your head off. No, but he's better now. Don't you feel like he's better? Yes, he is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
3: He was good. Obviously, he was a first-round pick. She gets mad when everyone says he was bad at Oregon. She's like,
1: "No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't bad at Oregon.
3: No, he wasn't. He was." We have we have another guy that wrote in. He wrote in all the names you said, but then he added at the end, "I know he's not in the league yet, but Trevor Lawrence." Okay, that's that's fair. I like I like where your head's
1: at. I like I like who's that? That's a uh, that's QC Sun Devil. QC Sun Devil yeah. I like it. Good good thinking there. Um, and yeah, I mean, that discussion is quarterbacks can, can play into their 40s, so Russell Wilson's probably going to be one of those guys that plays well into his 40s. I, look, big picture, I know there's people out there screaming at me right now and saying, you're, you're crazy if you think Kyler Murray, if that's a guy you would take over Lamar Jackson, and that's fine if you feel that way. But the bottom line is, Kyler's in the discussion already, and he's played 23 NFL games, and, and he's legitimately in the discussion. And honestly, there's a group behind Patrick Mahomes. And Kyler Murray's right there near the top of that group. Again, it's not saying I got to win a game tomorrow. Am I taking Kyler Murray over everybody except Mahomes? No. If I'm, if, if I'm playing one game tomorrow, I'm taking Russell Wilson. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but when you start to say, okay, big picture, and, and this is what matters if you're a Cardinals fan, what quarterback would you be most excited to have to build your team around for the next 10 years? You've got him. You've got one of the three or four correct answers. You have him here in town, and he's, he's doing what you're hoping he could do. All right, we come back, we have to get into some of the coaching decisions by Cliff Kingsbury last night, so that's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We have gone fully down
1: the rabbit hole during the breaks. We just went through the Cardinals 2012 schedule after they started 4-0, and then we went through the 2013 draft afterwards. We are crazy people. Well, your knowledge of the October 4th Thursday night loss to the then St. Louis Rams that sent them on this major losing streak is Yes.
3: I'll never forget horrifying. that. Horrifying. I was in community college, and I was in an astronomy class to get one of those science credits out of the way, Yeah, and it seemed pretty easy, Good and bet. it was, and... Uh, my professor, teacher, whatever you want to call him, was a huge Cardinals fan, and we had our lab Thursday nights, and he put on the projector in the classroom, the Cardinals game, and I just remember <laughs> Kevin Cobb got sacked like twelve to fourteen times and he was busted up and bleeding. And the Cardinals won one more game the rest of the season. So yeah. that was fun.
1: They uh, they have a bad history with their quarterbacks against the Rams. And uh that yeah, they finished that season five and eleven. And in case you're wondering, we already did the research during the break. The uh the their first round pick the next year. Not really research. We just kind of remembered. Jonathan Cooper. Yeah, so after losing what? They started four Who turned
3: into Chandler Jones. And,
1: yeah. They lost eleven of their next twelve, but their reward was Jonathan Cooper, but eventually Chandler Jones. And Bear, as you pointed out, DeAndre Hopkins was in that draft, so they eventually got him and ended up working out. Are we going to come back every segment with a new fact about the 2012
3: (laughs) Arizona Cardinals? Because that would be kind of fun. It it sort
1: of feels like it's trending that way. That's how long it's been since the Cardinals had beaten Russell Wilson in Arizona until last night. I don't want to say they won the game last night despite Cliff Kingsbury because that's not the way I feel at all but there were two calls in particular that stood out as confusing and one of them one of them i would say was controversial that was down 13-7 baker has that interception as i said earlier for all the things that happened in that game last night you know what do you, what do you, what's going to be the image that you remember from that because the end of the game with all the scoring, and you're never going to really remember a field goal. All due respect to kickers out there, and, and, and credit to Zane Gonzalez for making quite a few kicks last night, one that didn't even count. But to me, the image I'm going to remember is the interception by Buddha. because you go through so many emotions when he picks it off. The first one to me is, like, he should have always played with a cast on his thumb, because he intercepts every pass now. But then it's like, they're not catching him. I mean, he's he intercepted the pass with speed. And then you're like, okay... He, He's going to get in. It's going to be 14 13 Cardinals. He just picked off Russell Wilson. And then I don't know if somebody like shot DK Metcalf out of a cannon or with a, like a, a slingshot or something. He catches him, tackles Buddha. They don't get anything on the first three downs. And you're sitting there. It was funny because Al Michaels and Chris Collins were like, okay, well, now they're going to kick the field goal and be 13 10. I think most Cardinals fans were Cliffs doesn't kick. He doesn't kick field goals on fourth down. And normally, like I said earlier, 80% of the time, I, I'm I'm with him. But in that particular scenario, coming off the fact that it was such a potentially game-swinging play when Baker made the interception. I've never called him Baker before. I always just call him Buddha. When uh, when Buddha, that feels yeah, better. Yeah, stop doing that. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I'll never do that again. Sorry. Uh, when Buddha had the interception, that's like, okay, that just swung the game. Whatever happens, happens, but that that is a game-swinging play. But the problem is, when DK Metcalf runs him down, that's potentially a game-swinging play. And so to come out of that then with zero points makes DK Metcalf's play that much bigger. That's why I'm kicking the field goal there, but who knows what would have happened. It's not like I'm sitting here thinking, okay, if he makes that field goal, that's three more points, which means they don't even go to overtime. Like, nobody who watched that game... <laughs> Thinks that anybody who watched that game is like, yeah, it's just whoever had the ball last. That's just really, it's three points would have just gotten swallowed in the uh, in the craziness of that game. The one that's not controversial is kicking it on second down in overtime, and that wasn't like an eighteen-yard field goal. That was a forty-one-yarder, and oh by the way, they iced their own kicker.
3: What are we doing? <laughs> the the thing about that whole sequence, and I almost wish they didn't show this on the broadcast, but the NBC cameras were right in Cliff's face and he wasn't paying attention to the game. <laughs> he was talking to Kyler Murray. And I mean, it, listening to Cliff's press conference today, it almost sounded like he was talking to Kyler at that moment about why aren't we still out there? Yeah. Why are we kicking it right now? Yeah. But then he, some coach that I've never heard of had to run up to Cliff and say, call timeout, call timeout. <laughs> Cliff's like, timeout. He didn't even know why.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then, so, yeah. I mean, then you have the kick that was good that doesn't count. And then, and I really, I think, I know this is tougher to do in the moment. I understand that. But I really think the best argument I heard uh, after the game and, and throughout today was even if you're going to kick it early, go ahead and kick it on third down. And that in the moment, I was thinking. But especially after you just iced your kicker inadvertently, give him a second to regroup. Let the offense try and get like four more yards. It, I never thought of that after the timeout, bringing the offense back right? out. Just, just and in the moment, it felt like because Kyler took kind of a, a nasty-looking hit on first down. Remember that? Where the, yeah, I don't remember who it was that came around the corner and hit him. And it almost felt like Cliff's like, I've seen enough. We're kicking. I don't want my quarterback hurt. Which that's let Zane come to the side, kick yeah. a couple more into the net or something. Yes, do something. Just I never actually, I've never yards. thought of that they should, probably should have probably should have but they ultimately won the game so um all is is going to be for, forgotten in that that sense uh, and, and what i liked about what what cliff kingsbury said afterwards is he didn't it's not like he really tried to defend that you know the fourth down call earlier in the game that that's defendable, certainly like i said that's controversial you can go either way with that uh but the <laughs> kicking on second down just the sequence of events was not but he called it basically a debacle that that play uh, after the game that sequence of events so It's not like, I don't know, when he says something like that, he says like, okay, you know, that's something I got to learn from, too. I feel pretty confident that he then is going to learn from it and we're not going to see it happen again. I was looking at this and it's such a small sample size that I don't know that it necessarily says that much. But if it does, it says something good, because the biggest thing to me with Cliff Kingsbury last year was I like the fact that he's willing to adjust, and he adapts. And, you know, at halftime yesterday, whether that's him or Vance Joseph, and it's probably more so Vance Joseph in this case, the Seahawks scored seven points after the first half yesterday. Uh, But just in general, Cliff's, Cliff's getting better every few games, it feels like, as an NFL head coach, which makes sense since he had never coached in the NFL before week one of last season, but also isn't a given. We've seen coaches in this league Remember, the Jets were trying to get Cliff and they ended up with Adam Gase. They must feel really great right now. So if you look at the teams that the Cardinals have played two or, in some cases, three times since the start of last season, it's Detroit, Carolina, Seattle, San Francisco, and the Rams. Uh, Detroit, they tied the first time. That was the first game. They lost the second time, obviously, this season. I mean, basically a wash. But I'm just looking for, are we seeing improvement from Cliff and the Cardinals when they see a team more than once. Carolina, they've lost two twice. But you look at these teams in the division. They lost to Seattle the first time, but they're 2-1. and They've won the the two most recent meetings with the Seahawks. San Francisco, remember, they lost on, on Halloween night. Thursday night football was a close game. They played them later in the year, should have beat them. They play them this year, they did beat them. So to me, over three games, you're seeing the Cardinals fare better against the 49ers in each of the three games. Same with Seattle in each of the three games. And against the Rams, I mean, we'll see. They lost to him twice last year. Although, again, the first one was the typical Cardinals getting blown out by the Rams that we've seen the last five years. Second one was a lot closer. So we'll see. But, you know, I, I just bring that up because Cliff's having some moments in some of these games where I'm just like, oh, you are going to give everybody in this city an ulcer. But big picture, I really like what he's doing. I really do. And, and it, to me, it 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 comes back to, and it always has come back to, his willingness and ability to say, I do a lot of stuff right, and I'm not going to change that stuff, but I'm not perfect, and I'm going to fix some of these other things. There are other coaches in the league that just seem to think they're perfect, and yet their team is 0 and 7 and playing in New York every week. So it's, it's very strange. All right, we'll come back with hour number two of the show. The uh, Rundown Reload is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona FM, Arizona's sports station.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload.
1: Hour number two of the show live from the ak Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here, Cody Fincher behind the glass. The Monday after the Cardinals' biggest win in years. It was their biggest game going in, whether they got blown out or not going into the game at least it was their biggest uh, biggest contest since the NFC championship game at the end of the 2015 season technically early 2016 so we knew that going in and that's all fine and and dandy heading into the game but if the team doesn't respond then it's just a lot of build-up for disappointment they responded and not only did they win they won a just a thoroughly enjoyable exciting satisfying game if you are a Cardinals fan and if you're a Seahawks fan, well, there's a rematch in less than a month. So let's just do this again in primetime. Again, Cardinals-Seahawks in primetime. What could possibly go wrong? Now it'll be a Thursday night, so who knows what the game's going to look like at that point. But when these two teams play, it's um, it's fireworks. And it, it, those fireworks have have been upgraded now that Kyler Murray is in the mix as well. There was certainly a moment last night where I'm sitting there thinking, "We we seriously going to have a tie again. If we're all joking about it throughout the week. Hey, Cardinal Seahawks Sunday night, that must mean a tie, right? Going back, what year was that? It was that 2016 with the 6-6 tie? where it was everybody... the last time they were on Sunday night football. Yeah, and ugh, that game was... Neither one of those teams was the same after that, the rest of the season. And they didn't get anything out of it. Both sides were just so beat up. Last night would have been a more entertaining tie... But you could have gone ahead and taken satisfying out of the uh, the description of the game if that was a tie for all parties involved. Now it just it sets the stage for another potentially great one here in about a month. I got to say this though, going to play this I should say Keyshawn Johnson. I haven't heard this yet, but I can see what it is labeled. Keyshawn's been the most. Um, famous, I should say, at least in these parts of the Cardinals' doubters. He's and the
3: one that keeps saying they beat a 49ers team that was beat up, yeah. and that's wrong.
1: It's Who who did the 49ers not have in that game? Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayoub. They lost Kittle in the first half, um, but it's not... yeah Because the 49ers were beat up in Week 6, that doesn't take away from the Cardinals playing them in Week 1 when they had Nick Bosa and all those guys. Uh, but look, Keyshawn was saying that when the Cardinals were 2-0, then they probably went 2-2, two and two, and he was looking very vindicated. And now they're 5-2, and two, and they just beat the Seahawks. Jeez, I got to say it, Jay. <laughs>
2: the Cardinals are legit. Mm. They're a legit Woo! football team. They really are. I needed to see them beat somebody, though. I really needed them to—they went out there and took care of business. They didn't lead at all until the end of the game, which was the W. And Kyler Murray played extremely well. There's no question about it. Uh, when you look at it, they did what they were supposed to do against the top team in the division. Now I, I believe that they are a legitimate threat in that division. They, they still got to finish the deal. But beating Seattle went a long ways for me. A long ways. They were cute, but they're starting to look pretty now.
1: <laughs> you know, fair or not, that's just the reality, right? You got to beat a team like Seattle for people to, to take notice outside of this city. But they did. And don't give me the argument of they weren't leading at all, all game. That's how you beat Seattle. If you have a lead on Seattle, you're going to lose it at the end of the game. The best way to beat Seattle, it's like running a race against somebody that's like, you, you know, uh, you, you have to, like, kind of stay with them and stay with them and at the end try and sprint right ahead. That's how you beat Russell Wilson on time. You're not going to go out there and open up a 21 nothing lead because if you do, well, it's going to be 27-24 with two minutes left in the game. That's it, – it's – it's like when you're playing Madden on like the really high level, and it won't let you get too far ahead. Otherwise, it, like it'll just correct itself and make sure the computer comes storming back. Your player will fumble inconspicuously. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what linebackers it's like. show up over the middle on a slant route that weren't there, like Isaiah Simmons just appearing out of nowhere. Um, the Kenyon Drake injury, another storyline certainly from the game last night, sounds like he's gonna be out for a couple weeks. That's from Adam Schefter. That means Chase Edmonds got to step in. I mean, that means somebody's going to have to step in behind Chase Edmonds. I don't know if that means we're going to see Eno Benjamin get the ball or anybody like that. They may just go heavy with uh, with Chase. But um, tough to see Kenyon Drake get hurt. He has been playing a lot better of late. He was huge against Dallas. And it didn't have amazing numbers last night. But he... He's one of those guys that helps them be so successful on fourth downs, and there were fourth down, There was a fourth down in that game last night they had to have, otherwise they were done, and he converted it and then ended up getting hurt. We talked about Cliff Kingsbury's coaching. I'll just say this. If they had lost that game, we'd be talking about Cliff Kingsbury's coaching a lot more. That would pretty much be what this entire show was about tonight, and it would certainly be something that was talked about probably for the next week and a half. But well, they didn't lose that game, and they end up pulling off a thrilling win over the Seahawks. So, with that in mind, it's a lot easier to uh, to look past whatever that was that happened at the end of the game when when uh, when Cliff decided to kick on second down. And you know, in the moment, you 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 understand, like, okay, Kyler just got leveled. It's it's different than rushing to kick a field goal even on fourth down in in like the second quarter because you know there's gonna be a lot of scoring in the game you make that field goal you win the game it's not like Seattle was gonna get the ball again so I understand the sort of hastiness to let's hurry up and just end this game We're, we're about to beat the Seahawks I don't want to think about it. let's just hurry up and win it but that's what it ended up looking like was hastiness and they weren't organized because you're not supposed to kick a field goal on second down and they ended up icing their own kicker and it cost him, or it should have cost him. It didn't ultimately cost him because, again, Isaiah Simmons came from out of nowhere and made a, a, just an amazing play. And um, who was it? that was his fifth play of the game, wasn't it? <laughs> the Fifth game, snap. The game went almost 70 minutes of football. Isaiah Simmons played five snaps and in a lot of ways decided the game with that, uh, with that interception. Uh, I'm trying to find the audio of Cliff. I'll, I'll find it for later on in the show where he's talking about the uh, the decision there to, to kick it on second down. But all is well that it ends well. And again, like I said, he, he said uh, earlier today that you know, the big thing is he learns from that and he moves on. And they don't expect to see what he called a debacle last night uh, happen again. To the quarterback matchup, Kyler Murray went toe-to-toe with Russell Wilson. As I said, there's not a lot of times you can go into a game with the Seahawks and say, maybe our quarterback is not better than Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's the leading MVP candidate in the NFL this season. But our quarterback could outplay him tonight. And and, and not in such a way where like, yeah, Russ got hurt in the second quarter, so our quarterback had better numbers. Like, no, no, no. Our quarterback could actually outplay Russell Wilson. And that's what happened last night. I mean, you want to talk about a a, a win that you can't cheapen. Russell Wilson, three hundred eighty eight passing yards, three touchdowns. I know he had the three interceptions. Ran for another eighty four yards. So Wilson accounted just by himself for what is that over four, over four hundred what's four hundred seventy two total yards of offense and three touchdowns. And Kyler Murray outplayed him because even though he had slightly less, less yards, 360 yards passing, three touchdowns, just the one interception, it was not a good pass. But just the, the one interception, really his only bad pass of the night. I, he missed DeAndre Hopkins on a deep ball uh, at one point, but that, it wasn't a bad pass. He also runs for 67 in a score. Everything ran through Kyler Murray last night. A lot of guys contributed to the win, but everything ran through him. We've barely talked about Buda Baker, by the way. Another just monster performance. And big picture in the NFC West. This is the story that's going to have to be told after every Cardinals game this season. But it's a good thing. Because now we're not saying, oh, look what the Seahawks did. Look what the Rams did. Look what the 49ers did just to remind ourselves how difficult this division is whenever the Cardinals get good. No, no. Now now we're talking about it matters what the Rams do against the Bears tonight because if the Bears win, the Cardinals are in sole possession of second place in the toughest division in football and just a half game out of first. So it matters what the Rams do. It matters that the Rams are on the goal line right now as I talk and now they just scored. So maybe I'll stop talking about them. They're up 16-3 to and about to kick a extra point it matters that the 49ers embarrassed the Patriots yesterday to the point where Cam Newton was talking about how he knows he might get benched now for Jarrett Stidham. We haven't even talked about the rest of the NFL because of how insane the Cardinals game was last night. But that's that's what winning does. Now these other games matter. And, and, and it's not even in this crazy way of like, well, you know, technically the Cardinals are 3-4. and four. They're not done if every other team in the NFC West ties for the rest of the season. Like, No. They're in the toughest division of football, and they're in the running, and they've earned it, and they're going to have to keep earning it because when the schedule's not, uh, not easy by any means here in the second half of the season, but you win that game last night, and doesn't it change your perspective a little bit? Now you have a stretch coming out of the bye week. It's the Dolphins, the Bills, the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Rams, the Giants, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Rams again. You know, when they were 2-2 two and two going into that Jets game, you're looking at those those last nine games, you're saying, ah, man, I mean, the Giants game they should win. They're going to have a hard time with these other ones, maybe Philly, you know, maybe Miami. Now it's like, yeah, okay, they're going to lose some of these games. There's some good teams on that schedule. They're all winnable. There's not one game on there you look and say, oh, the Cardinals are really outmatched. There's some really good teams on there. But, you know, you're 5-2. and two. Seven teams make the playoffs. You figure nine wins would get you in, so you got to win four. I'm just talking about just getting in. You want to win the division, you want to set your sights higher, that's fine. But just in terms of of getting back into the playoffs, you could probably get in going four and five down the stretch. Well, you better beat the Giants. You should be able to beat Philly. Miami's a good team, underrated team, but they're going to be starting Tua in that game. It's going to be his second career start. This is not just like, it's not you're trying to pick your spots and saying, can they they scrounge together enough wins? It's like, okay, there's some teams they should beat. The rest are all winnable. That has changed. That perception has changed dramatically over the last three weeks. And, I mean, they won three games in a row, so it makes some sense. But it hadn't changed at all after the, the wins over the Jets and the Cowboys. It changed last night when they beat the Seahawks. All right, when we come back... Poor Buddha Baker played out of his mind. Even he was tweeting about the fact he got tackled, caught from behind by D.K. Metcalf uh, afterwards. But Buddha was excited, beat his hometown team, and uh, put the Cardinals within a half game of first place. We're going to hear from him next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.
0: It's the Rundown. 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.
1: All right, the song, as always. I feel like this was made for top five. Or in the case of this week, bottom five. Um, I don't know what inspired this. It was at some point during our Cardinals broadcast yesterday. Cody and I were both in here. And I don't want to give away the team you were talking about, Bear, because I'm assuming it's probably on your list somewhere. But you were talking about, basically, teams that you see that everybody's talking about how good they are and you think they're a fraud. So, essentially, this is the top five frauds through the first seven weeks of the the NFL top five shams in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There were really no rules other than you don't think... This is essentially teams that aren't as good as their record indicates, for whatever reason. So, however you wanted to get there, I'll start with number five. And I had a hard time finding the fifth one. The first four were pretty easy for me. Uh, number five, I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. They don't have a winning record. They're three and three, and they're not. I don't trust Matt Patricia as a coach at all. I really don't. I don't know any Lions fans that that have confidence in him, which I know is not a good way necessarily to measure if a coach is good or not. As you know, do his hometown fans like him or not? But. Um, you know, look, it was either the Lions at 3 and 3 aren't as good as they are or I was going to put the Jets at 0 and 7, should actually be somehow worse than 0 and 7 because they're horrendous. So, I'll go with the Lions. They're the only team on my list that doesn't have a winning record.
3: All right, number 5 on my list. Any team in the NFC East. <laughs> they are all garbage. Even the first place Philadelphia Eagles at 2-4 and 1. They uh the, the combined record of the division. Yeah. 7 20 and 1.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: 7 wins for a whole division.
1: Yeah. I'll, you know what? Here, I'll just I'll I'll take it one step further. 5 of those 7 wins have come in the division. Oh my god. So if you take out oh. them playing themselves, <laughs> the uh. NFC East against the rest of the NFL is 2 15 and 1 this season. Oh goodness um so bad yeah. that
3: one of those teams is going to host a playoff game
1: i you know they are going to and it's it's terrible but they're going to be so sufficiently shamed for the next 11 weeks that yeah, i'm not even sure it's worth it to host that game where we're going to have a problem is if some team whoever wins that division wins a playoff game and then it's going to be like great you know what was the point of the regular season uh number 4 on my list and i will confess this is the team i have i don't know how but it's definitely the team i've seen the least of is the Colts, who I thought were going to be decent. I did see their opener against Jacksonville. By the way, they lost to Jacksonville 27 to 20. They are four and two now. I do believe their their defense is legit, but if you have to if the, the goal here was to find teams that maybe aren't quite you don't believe they're quite as good as their record indicates, they're four and two. Their wins are over the Bengals barely, the Vikings, the Jets, the Bears, which is a nice win. But they've lost to Cleveland and Jacksonville. I just I think that they are an eight and eight team, and they're going to probably finish with a better record than eight and
3: eight. My four number four is also the Colts. Okay. I, I looked at their schedule, and they've beaten the Vikings, who are one and five. They've beaten the Jets, who are zero oh and seven. The Bears don't look that great, and the Bengals are in a rebuild phase. Uh, and on top of that. Philip Rivers is just too old. He's well, just too old.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I know the, the pushback is always, well, hey, Tom Brady is forty three and he looks pretty good. Yeah, Philip Rivers isn't Tom Brady. I mean, that's, that's just the reality.
3: Tom the Brady aged better than, than he, just a little bit. Philip Rivers.
1: They're said. showing. They're, they just keep showing this Buddha interception. On we got three TVs set up in here. They've shown it on all three since the show started on on three different uh, broadcasts. This is not even the the Monday night game. I don't know. This is just they're just showing replays. But um, okay, so we both have the Colts at four. I know my number three one's not going to go over well with the 95% of the people in the Valley that are from Chicago, but uh, I don't believe in this Bears team. I believe in their defense. I believe in, in Khalil Mack. I may be slightly influenced by the fact that they are getting embarrassed on Monday Night Football right now by the Rams, who I do think are a good team. But every year there seems to be a team that it's like... Okay, they just barely won that game. And they just barely won that game. And they just and at, at the end of the year, they have like 10 or 11 wins. And I fully concede that might very well be the Bears. They're 5-1. and one. They they easily could finish the season with 11 wins. Maybe even 12 wins. But, I mean, they barely beat the Lions. They barely beat the Giants at home. They had to have one of those the Falcons give a game away uh, rallies to beat the Falcons. They lost to the Colts. They beat Tampa. That was impressive on, on Thursday night. But it was by a point, and Tom Brady forgot how to count. You know, nice win over Carolina last week. I don't think the Bears are bad. And, you know, San Francisco was a team like this last year that was just winning with defense, and it was ugly, and you're like, should they really be this good? And they went all the way to the Super Bowl. But I just, there's there are teams with worse records than the Bears that I think are a better team than the Bears. All right, my number three, maybe I should have put the these,
3: this team at four, but uh, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. At 5-2, they started off really strong. Their offense looked unstoppable, and they've kind of fallen off since then. They've lost to the Titans, who are really good. They lost to the Chiefs, who are really good, so you can't really fault them for that. But they barely beat the Jets this week, and that's a knock on my in my scorebook, you know? You gotta you gotta pummel the Jets if you play if you're supposed to be a contender like the Bills. That
1: that was concerning. Like I I believe in the Bills because I think that defense is actually better than it's shown. But you guys score more than eighteen points. Against I was gonna the Jets. say
3: their defense has not been good this year yeah. at all. Uh, so that's another reason. Maybe I should have flip flopped the Colts and the Bills there, but.
1: Well, either way, I'm uh, I'm pretty actually. The Bills, uh, and like I said, I, I I do think the Bills are are relatively legit. But that was the team that you came up with yesterday that, that triggered this whole thing. Uh, my number two team, and I don't think I'll get a whole lot of pushback on this one. I have the Cleveland Browns, who I mean, look all the all the good times in the world to Cleveland Browns fans because they've had to endure a lot and I get their five and two and hey that's the same record as the Cardinals okay well you're not going to play Cincinnati every week that's two of their wins so far both of which were very close Uh, beat Washington beat Dallas their only like good win was over the the Colts and and I'm not even sure I would have had the Browns this high on this list until last week when I bought in that they were going to Probably lose to Pittsburgh, but it was going to be like 28 to 24, 27 to 24. It was 38 to 7. So it just kind of, I don't know, kind of a preview that maybe they're still the Browns. Better than they've been in the past, obviously, and maybe a playoff team, but schedules schedules got to get tougher here, right? I mean, actually, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm looking at it. They've got Houston, Philadelphia, Jacksonville coming up. Yeah. So
3: I, I also have the Browns, number two. Uh, they also. Still have to play the Steelers one more time, the Ravens and the Titans this this season. Um, pretty much echoing everything you said. When you, you've only beaten the Cowboys, the football team, the <laughs> the Colts and the Bengals twice. So uh, and, and now you've lost Odell Beckham Jr. for the season to a torn ACL.
1: Yeah, and I will give them credit. They're doing this without Nick Chubb, but th- that's a great point. They now you don't have Odell either now. So it's just. You know, if the Browns get to nine and seven, which they they should now, they're five and two. They should do that, and that's obviously a huge success over where they've been the last few years. Major upgraded coach in the off season. I mean, I I do think they are on the way up, but uh, I still don't know how I feel about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I don't either. Like, he started not, that game so poorly. Yeah. And, and I know the people, because of his attitude, like some people just want to say he's horrible. He's not horrible, but number one overall pick, he is not Kyler Murray or Joe Burrow or some of these other guys that have gone uh, number one over the last few years. Uh, my number one team, you already talked about them, is, is whoever wins the NFC East. It is unfair that they get to host a playoff game. They shouldn't even be in the playoffs. And like I said, outside the division, they are collectively 2-15-1. All
3: right, my number one, you've mentioned them before, the Chicago Bears Uh, i i don't believe in them at all they're being exposed by the rams and i agree with you the rams are seem to be very like very legit this year um just looking at their games they've played they've beaten lions who i agree with you aren't that great matthew Stafford's just kept them in a lot of games i feel like they beat the giants who are terrible the falcons who can't buy a win no matter how many points they're up by in the fourth quarter uh and then they they lost to the colts who again i don't believe in you don't believe in and then <laughs> tom brady forgot how many downs there are in football <laughs> and they and they win that game and they beat the panthers which is a decent win the panthers aren't as bad as they look either um yeah i i, I they what is it the score 24 to 3 rams right now uh early on in the fourth quarter it's, i just I, I don't believe in nick Foles. I think the magic is gone with Nick Foles, and Mitchell Trubisky is not the guy either.
1: That's the thing. They don't have, like, another option to go to. Foles is better than Trubisky, and it's just they, they are legit in the sense that for the most part, obviously not tonight, but for the most part, they can keep their games close, and then, you know, you have a chance to win at the end of the game. But if you've watched their games, it kind of feels like ah, okay, you're five and one, probably about to be five and two after tonight. But it's like you could have very. It wasn't just that you made plays. Like you don't have Russell Wilson making plays at the end of the game, where we know that's what he does. He's done it for eight years. You kind of got lucky in some of these games to be five and one. And uh, again, it should be a playoff team. You started five and one, and I think they will be with, with Khalil Mack in that defense. But uh, they they are not. To me, they're not a legitimate Super Bowl contender, as their record would indicate so far. All right, we'll come back. Final segment of the show, we'll hear from Christian Kirk next. The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Yeah, that was one thing we really didn't even get into today. Right, we did on the postgame show, I'm sure we will throughout the, uh, the rest of the week. I mean, the Cardinals just never acted like they were out of that game last night. And we're, they're showing the... Like the quick replay of it here in the studio, and I mean, you forget DK Metcalf scored a long touchdown in overtime <laughs> got called back with holding, but it was just like there were there was they were down twenty to seven after the uh, after they got nothing on the Buda Baker interception. Then Seattle came right down and scored. There were there were certainly times where it was just like okay, this one's slipping away, but it was still a good showing against Seattle. And no, nah, I mean, they just there there is something, especially because it was against the team in your division that you're chasing down that you're going to see twice a season at least. Um, the fact that the Cardinals never believed they were out of that game, that's, that's, that is something you have to, that's a level you have to hit in your maturation as a team. And, uh, and they have hit it. So that's, (laughs) that's only a good thing going forward. Now the bad news is the Rams defense is just playing out of its mind tonight and, uh, they just look nasty. Now they're playing the Bears. So take that for what it's worth, but uh it's 24 to 3. They just stopped the Bears in the red zone again. There's about 8 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So the Rams are going to almost certainly go to 5 and 2. That would make the division Seattle 5 and 1, Cardinals 5 and 2, Rams tentatively 5-2 and two, and the 49ers 4-3 and three. so contrast that with the, uh, the NFC East as we talked about that is 2-15-1 outside of its division And the uh, NFC West. Every team is plus at least 30. Every team has a winning record and uh, it's only getting tougher but it's fun because the Cardinals are right there in the thick of it. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski thanks to you for listening to The Rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.